Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. In this episode, I'm so incredibly honored to have the pride of San Francisco, Nogi legend, black belt, Denny Prokopos as my guest. Denny was the first 10th planet black belt awarded by Eddie Bravo. Denny is also one of the most talented Nogi jiu-jitsu practitioners of his generation, having won the Eddie Bravo Invitational 2, IBJJF World Nogi Championship, Gracie Worlds, FILA Nogi World Championship, and a recent victory on UFC Fight Pass. Let me set up the context of the time. We have to remember that when Denny was starting his career, there were still arguments about the merits of training only no-gi. Ridiculous now, I know. But at the time, this was a genuine concern. Add on top of that that Denny was the first black belt from what was seen as an upstart 10th planet. There were lots of haters of this new organization, if you could even call it an organization at that time. Denny was the first astronaut shoved onto the new planets to compete, so to speak. And he really shined. And I watched him in awe and with a great deal of admiration. Because that took a ton of courage and skill to do. I really can't underestimate what a trailblazer he was and the tremendous value and legitimacy he gave to the 10th Planet organization and the no-gi aspect of the art. This is one of those episodes where things get real. Denny seems to really wear his heart on his sleeve. He is both honest and passionate about things we discuss. Speaking of, we touch on his absence and return to the sport, his current and long-term legendary team slash friends, some of which are made up of by his teacher, Kayo Terra, and training partners, Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields. Denny talks about his training modalities of choice, his recent match and victory on UFC Fight Pass, his school called San Francisco Jiu-Jitsu Academy, and so much more. Some housekeeping notes. Be warned, there's a liberal amount of swearing on the episode. Okay, and a reminder to please give us a positive review on iTunes and check out our Forever White Belt merchandise, t-shirts, sweatshirts, etc. at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt and become a patron by clicking the support button at the anchor.fm forward slash forever white belt webpage and like our Facebook page and you'll get all the latest at facebook.com forward slash forever white belt. Check us out on the socials by searching for forever white belt. Also check out Denny's instructional on BJJ Fanatics and be on the lookout for a soon to be announced offering with Jake Shields. And with that, I give you Denny Prokopos. Welcome to Forever White Belt. I am your host, Adolfo Ferranda, with a very special guest today, Denny Prokopos. Man, I am so excited to have you on the show. As a uh, San Francisco native, you've been very instrumental in the no-gi, or we'll just say grappling and jiu-jitsu scene altogether. In the Bay Area, Northern California, people don't really understand your influence up here and how important it was and is for this new generation and where we're at now. It's very so, kind of you. <laughs> Thank I you mean, so much. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice, you know, because I know you had a previous academy quite some time ago, and you now have this wonderful new academy, the Denny Prokopos Academy. It's a San Francisco, right? Jiu-Jitsu Academy. San Francisco Jiu-Jitsu, yes. And then now Correct. you also have a DennyProkopos.com, which is also your online instructionals and a product that you have, right? Thank you, yes. It's a new service that I'm doing where I'm teaching and basically what I teach at my academy I upload uh, the virtual route. It's uh, something I've always wanted to do. It's something that helps me catalog what I'm doing and uh, allows people that have trained with me, uh, that been to my seminars around the world, how to interact with me still, stay up to date with my teachings. 
I'm having a lot of fun with that. I really like that. That that's something I've always really wanted to do. It's Very truth cool. is thank you. Yeah, the truth is it's a passion project. It's basically just me documenting my teaching at my academy. It's really cool. There's a lot of free videos actually. People, I highly recommend you go to dannyprokopos.com and check it out because there's a lot of free videos people can watch and get a sort of a taste for what this is. And and that's what I see a lot of other services like that don't offer that. So you really don't know what you're getting into. Whereas this one, it's really cool. You can do that. And I know for a nominal monthly fee, you get all access to all this stuff. And it, it seems like it's not only grappling instruction, but it also is a other sort of a physical exercise type of information as well, correct? Yeah. Kettlebells, like my twist on yoga, my twist on kettlebells, and basically general physical preparation for jujitsu. One thing I want to say is going back in the day, remember watching a lot of your early stuff was seeing you with these ankle sleeves. And I wanted to be so much like you at that time. I always wore these ankle sleeves. I'm like, oh, I got to get these ankle sleeves and put them on, man, because it's going to make my jujitsu so much better. It's like getting the new Nikes or something like that. I'm going to jump higher and run faster because Jordan does it, right? Denny's doing this, so I got to get this stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, the ankle sleeves. The whole purpose behind that was for the lockdown, really, because at the time, mm-hmm. I'm such a half-guard lockdown player, and that was Eddie's idea, too. He recommended I wear uh, sleeves. So there were the sleeves, but I was really lucky because early on, I got to test out a, a unique type of sleeve where there was a, a grip on the bottom, and my friends with on the mat did that. And, uh, you know, I experimented with different types of foot sleeves, different types of soles, different types of patterns. And we, we had a whole like little experiment going with that for a minute. I mean, that's like, so interesting. I always thought an ankle sleeve was an ankle sleeve. It's so cool that you got to get some of this cutting edge stuff. I've never heard of a, like a bottom of a foot grip on a on an ankle sleeve before. Yeah, we, it was like the rubber type of grip thing that if you stomped, like let's say you had the lockdown, right? Yeah. And you're stomping, you know, if you put the foot on top the calf it's an extra grip wow. right and we did some uh, interesting stuff there that like i don't even focus on anymore today it's just like something i totally forgot i don't even wear sleeves anymore i noticed that yeah yeah yeah, because you know, I wear the tights when I fight. I love the tights. I've been I've been doing those since the beginning, but before my attire was the shorts, the tights, and the foot yeah. sleeves. I took the foot sleeves out, I took the shorts off and just the tights. The beginnings of your early fights that I've been watching, um, researching your early videos and stuff is how hyper, I don't know, this is my take on it, right? It seemed like you were a very aggressive initial attacker in a way. You know, what was really interesting too, and to this day, I still see it with you. You have this really interesting sort of upright T-Rex hands kind of approach, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, number one, how you developed that also from where you were to where you're at now. I know that's quite a huge evolution because it's been years and years and years. That would take a very long (laughs) time. podcast. Yeah, right. But I remember oftentimes it was you approaching someone and bam, you're jumping on them, you're breaking them down like instantly really quick. Whereas now it's in your last fight with Stoner, I believe was the name on the UFC fight pass. It was much more measured kind of approach when you're coming in, you're give and take, and then eventually you're getting down to things. Can you sort of discuss that? First of all, you said my upper body fight stance, why Mm -hmm. I do that? Yeah. Okay. So I have different fight stances, not just one, but the one that I mainly do for sub only is it's a Greco-Roman stance, but it's my Greco-Roman stance. It's how I do it. What I mean by Greco-Roman is I'm fully upright and my elbows, they're tight. You notice I never break position. You notice I'm 
always in balance. I don't mm-hmm. give, I don't rush. What's different about my styles, I always look to finish because everybody knows that if they fight me, if they put their head down for one second, I'm going to get it and it's game over. They know mm-hmm. that fighting me, they know, and I know that they know that. I understand the psychology behind mm-hmm. this. So I'm always looking to finish. My jiu-jitsu, it's a little different because I look to finish standing up. Most people look to take it to the ground. My first option is to finish the fight standing. But philosophically, that's what's different about my jiu-jitsu. That's my approach. It's let's get in and get out as quick as possible. I had this mentality from a young age because you want to go and you want to get the finish. You want it to be dramatic. You want everybody to remember a beautiful finish because that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember the finish. I don't rush. I know that I can tap anybody. I just have to take my time and play my game. I know that. And it's not like an egotistical thing. It's something that I'm I'm training for 20 years. I know what I'm wow. capable of. And I know everybody makes mistakes. You just have to catch them and not make the mistake before they do. Because like I fight sub only. I don't fight points. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of this. And like the way that I was trained philosophically, it's like as long as you don't get tapped, you're going to win. I always approach it from a defensive perspective. I think defense first. Even though I'm offensive, I still think defensive first i go to kill but philosophically like i'm still thinking defense first well you could have fooled me i almost thought you were coming from an offensive approach you know your game looks very offensive to some extent what i'm gonna say will contradict me i am and i'm not i'm many things like i operate on intuition more than anything but my intuition comes from logic and feeling. It's a combination of both. I analyze the attack, but I also feel. I do both. When I first started training jujitsu, my gift, and I know my gift, my gift is feeling. That's natural. Mm -hmm. That's the touch. That's natural for me. The logic was developed. The feeling for the move, Mm -hmm. I have the feeling. That's who I am naturally. I'm born that way. And I know that about myself. My logic, it's in my opinion, still very incomplete. I don't view it as complete. I don't think it ever will be. And to think that it is, it's a, a flaw. It doesn't matter who I'm tapping or whether I am or I'm not or whatever. Do you watch your old matches? What do you see when you watch these? Yeah, of course, I still watch them. Uh, what do I see? An inexperienced person that doesn't know what he's doing. Not to the level of now. The comparison then to now. In my opinion, my last match was probably one of my best. But here's the thing. <sighs> I'm physically not the same person. I've been in so many, I've acquired so much damage, not just from fighting. It's like, you know, a few years ago, this is why I stopped fighting. I had it. I got hit by a car and like, I had to stop, dude. And I wasn't correct for a long time in a lot of ways, which I'm not. Truth is, I'm not going to get into that, but that prevented me from really being me for a long time. Those getting hit in that accident really prevented me from being who I am right now. It took a lot of work. And it's still a lot of work just to maintain that. My whole day is structured just on being a professional. My whole life, it's just that. There's nothing else. It's just jujitsu. There's even things that I won't do out of fun. Like I won't go snowboarding. I won't go skiing. I won't I won't risk getting hurt. I won't do stupid shit. My life is 100% focused on my teaching and my fighting. My fighting and my teaching and learning and always being a student and constantly evolving on all levels. I don't want to ruin that. For a long time, I I didn't have that because I didn't have the correct health. 
And I don't want to do anything that will harm that because like it will ruin what I'm trying to accomplish. Everything is focused on like me being healthy and doing my job. Like I don't care about anything else. I'm not interested in anything else. All I want to do is be able to fight. I want to be able to fight more than I want to do anything. Everything else is second in my life because I'm getting old. I'm 33. Mm -hmm. I'm in my best years right now. It's so crucial for me to make sure that I stay healthy so I can show who I am. My career, it's not done. No, no, you're in your prime now. Yeah. Yes, yes. And everybody's seeing that because they thought I was done, which is funny. Far from that because I'm the best ever that I was right now. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. But I'm going to show that. I'll let my performances keep talking. It sounds but- like the operative word here is focus. You sound very hyper-focused right now on jujitsu and conditioning and, and the path that you're currently dedicated to. It's the most important thing, my path. That's it. And me being who I should be, not stepping off from that. It's very important that I do what I'm supposed to do in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do some things. I'm focused on that. I really loved competing. My absence from that really hurt a lot. Hurt to the point to where I cried myself to sleep every night that I couldn't fight. I missed it that much. It was the worst. The fact that I'm back to competing means the world to me. There's no money, no nothing can give me the satisfaction. And after all these fucking hard years of like hard work and because I went up, I went down. I went up, I went down. I never stopped doing jujitsu from the moment I started. I started training February 12, 2001. I never stopped. My mind has not stopped from wanting to be the best me, or at least look, there've been times that I haven't been able to be that, but I've always wanted that. That's always inside of me. And I'm focused on that. You know, that's interesting though, because uh, one of the questions I always ask of the guests is tell me a moment when you wanted to quit. I don't want to quit. You're only the second guest that has ever said that. Fuck that shit. I love who I am. I love what I do. I know I'm meant to do this. Look at how much better my life is when I'm fighting. Like, it's not just that. I'm so much happier. It it, it all comes down to like, I'm happy. I'm I'm truly like, I get up every day when I'm training for a fight. I'm like, I'm training. I'm training to be the ultimate Denny. It's the best, man. It's the best. And like, I go to the gym and I'm with all my friends and they're amazing. All all Mm -hmm. my training partners are the best. I have one of the best teams in the world. And to be a part of all of that, to be able to go and train at Kyle's Academy and train with Mason, train with Kyle, learn from Kyle, have Kyle tweak my jujitsu, go train with Jake Shields, learn from Jake, Jake, have Jake tweak my jujitsu to train with Gil. Gil teaches me, tweaks me, you know what I'm saying? To like, then, you know, I do all like my chiropractic, my acupuncture, all that, my strength and conditioning with coach Mark, like that whole little dance that I do, dude, it's, it's the dream to like every day. And then like teaching that, and like refining that and then building. I don't want to do anything else. I'm not interested just, in it. Dude, as, as like a little kid, I wanted that. I wanted to be who I am today. Why would I want to do anything else? You know, I highly recommend that people go and watch Denny's recent fight on uh, Fight Pass. And uh, spoiler alert, Denny wins. And you can see, I think enthusiasm is an understatement at the end of it, right? You're exploding, you know, and I can see it all coming out <laughs> of your joy. And uh, all the really fun memes that have been made because of that, you know, on your Instagram of, well, go check out Denny's Instagram account. It's it's hilarious when you see some of that stuff. Let's talk about that particular match a little bit. I noticed what Stoner was doing when you were getting him in what seemed like a kind of a rubber guard 
uh, mission control, uh, he would sort of jam you into the cage. Well, his attempts well, were the to... First thing, well, the first thing he did is like he picked me up and he like lightweight slammed me, which I kind of like anticipated. It's mm. fine. But he did this over and over again. This whole pushing you into the cage would sort of shut down a lot of yeah, your his, movements. His, his, Had you his, anticipated his, that at all? Of course. His whole strategy was he knew he couldn't tap me because he, he once he got in my guard, he realized he wasn't going to get out of my guard. His goal and was to survive. Would... I have years of like training with like Jake Shields and Gilbert Melendez and they stacked mm. me up against the cage and I'm used to that. And mm. like my whole goal at that point was to not take any unnecessary stacking damage to my neck. Mm -hmm. which would then inhibit me because I knew the fight would go to the overtime rounds based off of what it was going because like he wasn't fighting me to tap me. He's a black belt. He's good, dude. He won the yeah. Masters World. Dude, oh, he yeah. won the Masters World. He's good. They're not going to throw dude, you in Don there with some schlub. No way. Dude, Don Stoner's ultra legit. And you know what? He's really good at that rule set. He's a winner at that mm -hmm. rule set. He can yeah, respect. He that. knows how to win. And look, what I felt was he wasn't trying to beat me in regulation. He it's was trying like to survive. He knew he was in my close guard. Mm -hmm. He knew he was in danger. He knew at any point I could catch him. And I knew that too. And I was working for that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time too, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not the type of fighter that's going to sit there and let some some dude stack him up against the cage. That's stupid to me. So I pivoted off and I was still hunting to sub him, right? Right. But then I realized there's a minute left. He's playing tight. I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to go to overtime. Look, when I was thinking, if I'm Don Stoner and I'm fighting Denny, how would I fight him? And I came to the conclusion that he would fight me how he did. And I anticipated that. That's why I let him go first. I even knew he was going to go for my neck. I knew that. He never attacks the arms. He always goes for the neck. I studied him. Mm -hmm. Once I knew, because they changed my opponent. You know, they changed my opponent like two weeks out. Or like a week out, I think, which respect to Don for taking the match. Yeah. Because like, it's not easy to take a match on a week. So mm. respect to him. But what I like, which you know, he, he told me he was in the best shape. So that made me feel better. You know, I got to fight the best version of him. For the listeners, let's clear up what you mean by he went for the neck. So in this rule set, they go to overtime right after some time and you can choose a position and what Denny means by I let him go first or pick first it was a big deal I know Chael made a big deal of it and most fighters do not let someone choose the initial position technically what I did from a wrestling perspective because I also wrestled in high school was I deferred the decision mm -hmm. right so that was a strategy that I actually used in high school wrestling it's something that I thought because check this out going into the rule set I'm the first champion at 155 pounds ever of this rule set you know for the listeners I don't know if they know that about me and like basically the truth is I've done this rule set longer than anybody I was True. the experiment was ran on me yep. probably more than anybody because mm -hmm. I'm Eddie's first black belt so like I understand this. I understand what I'm doing very much. Like you would have to like do at least a decade to catch up to me in the position. And even then you probably won't in terms of time because I've been getting started there since I'm like 16 years old. Yeah, there's just thousands of hours of you. It, it, as soon as I saw you in uh, Spider, I knew. That, by the way, that was another thing. I made interesting observations let's just say from something mm -hmm. that I knew how he would defend specifically. So you sort of anticipated that this was something would occur and you'd capitalize on it. Yeah. But I made the decision in the moment to attack his left arm. I got the feeling because I can do anything. I can attack the neck on both sides and I could attack the arms on both sides. I had mm -hmm. a specific feeling that I felt that told me left arm. That was a, an intuitive. It was very clear too. left arm. One of the things I've noticed is you have this really interesting relationship with kettlebells. 
and you've had it for quite some time. Can you intro us into that evolution and what's so special about these? My relationship with kettlebells is the same with my relationship with jujitsu. Love. Love to do it. Seriously, like I love, I love doing kettlebells. I love swinging heavy weights. It's hella fun. Here's my perspective. When you're looking at jujitsu in the grand scheme of things, technique is king. Technique is number one, right? Without a doubt, technique is number one. However, there's then strength and conditioning and flexibility. Those are attributes that, in my opinion, should be trained for the number one reason of maintaining your health. Then it will improve your performance. I look at my strength as conditioning more from like a physical therapy perspective, believe it or mm-hmm. not. That's how I view my my strength and conditioning. Well, actually, if you've ever done physical therapy, the way some physical therapists do it, they actually do kettlebell swings. A lot of them do. Mm-hmm. And they do types of presses, right? Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, yes, it is. It's more ramped up in terms of intensity. But here's the thing. That's what's required for someone of my level. It's necessary in order for me to be me, you know? So strength and That's what I love about the kettlebell because I want to be strong, but I also want to have endurance because I don't want to be strong and be like dead. You know, I'm a fighter that lifts. I'm not a lifter that fights. My number one focus is my health. And then I'm specifically lifting for combat. I'm not lifting for any other reason than combat. And specifically, my lifts are geared towards my body because I have certain limitations and I'm aware of those limitations and I don't push them. And sometimes I have new limitations, which means I must do less. Like I'll push myself within reason. I don't over push myself because like I have so much years of training that I never want to harm myself because I've been in so many wars. I've been in war since I was a teenager, but I've always tried to approach it. And I have failed many times to approach it as intelligently as possible. And like, I mean, you you should, if you think about it, right? All right, let's just call it what it is because some people sugarcoat it. When you're doing jujitsu and you're competing at a high level, you're trying to fuck the other dude up. That's what we're doing. That's another trained killer. So it doesn't make sense to hurt yourself. You're trying to hurt somebody. Why would you hurt yourself in the process? So like there's a whole emphasis on doing things with proper form, not overdoing things. Of Mm -hmm. course, you have to make mistakes, though, to learn, too. Mistakes are part of the learning process because, you know, don't think that you're going to not make mistakes. It's just part of the game. You learn. I'm always learning. This experiment is still going. It's just 20 years into the experiment, actually a little longer from a grappling perspective. I started doing judo back in like my first judo tournament was in 97. So, you know, I'm grappling for a long time. This is just, I just look at this as an experiment. Mm -hmm. I'm running an experiment on myself. But here's the thing. I've ran the experiment on me, but then there's all these other people that are around me that I've, because I've made a bunch of black belts now. And anyways, the kettlebell health, I love it. So I like waking up in the morning and lifting. If I'm not in fight camp, if I'm in fight camp, the number one focus is first the sparring. I might get up and lift or Mm. I'll get up and I'll do the club bells to warm up. But I usually don't lift and then train because my focus is on the jujitsu in fight camp primary focus is always on the jujitsu. It's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. The decision-making is the jujitsu first, the strength and conditioning second. We always choose sport over any other modality or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm always choosing jujitsu is always the priority. 
jujitsu and technique and then strength and conditioning. My philosophy, it's different than how I was raised in jujitsu or like my entry of what the philosophy was when I entered jujitsu. Like when I first started doing jujitsu, everybody was so anti-weight lifting. Everybody was so, it's all about technique. And look, I'm not saying it's not. I just said techniques number one. You heard me say that previously, right? It's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time too, the better athlete you are, the better your jujitsu works. That's what it is. And yeah. like, here's another thing too. I started off as a kid. I'm aging now. Yeah. I need to make sure that I am a good athlete. I have to be a good athlete. And like, I don't want to be fat, out of shape or anything like that. That's not like, and I'm still fighting. I need to be a certain level of person in order to be me. If I'm not like, look, there was a time I got up to 200 pounds. Why did I get up to 200 pounds? I couldn't train because I was so fucked up. My neck, my arm, my knee, everything was so fucked up. I got fat. For me, when I when I look at my kettlebell training, right, I have to keep training because if I don't, things will fall apart. Like my motivation for training, it's like different than others. Cause like, right. I know that if I don't do my strength and conditioning, my jujitsu is going to suffer or even worse than my jujitsu suffering. My health is going to suffer, which everything else fucking suffers. Like I have to, my strength and conditioning is also like my fucking physical therapy. It's, it's really important for me to be It's mandatory, strong. right? It's yeah, not it's mandatory. Optional. Yeah, exactly. You, you need it, especially as you get older, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, It's been fun to watch your evolution in this because I have seen you experiment with a lot of different stuff and a lot of people don't understand what a deep knowledge you have of things like, as you mentioned, the clubs now. I've seen you working with clubs, which is very interesting. When I see recent videos of you, I know that you're, that's maybe the newest modality, right? So when I see you with a lot of club stuff, I'm like, okay, this is his latest experiment, which is sort of evolving and interesting too, which I can learn from as well. But a lot of the early stuff too was yoga, which is really interesting as well. Can you you talk about your relationship with yoga? Yeah, of course. So when I first started doing jujitsu, I I paid attention to everything. By the time I'm 16 years old, I already know that for jujitsu, you know, it's good to do wrestling because I was already doing wrestling. I know it's good to do judo because I was already doing judo, right? But then I was like, oh, I saw Hicks and Gracie would choke. But actually, I knew that even because he was basically doing breathing exercises and like yoga type poses, which was like basically the whole Janastica Natural Orlando Connie type thing. Uh, People take that for granted now, but they they don't know how experimental it was when your early days when you were doing like a yoga and stuff people weren't a lot of jujitsu practitioners weren't doing yoga. Yeah, so I got into Kundalini yoga, right? Right. which is basically, it's all the yogas. Kundalini yoga, it's, it's all the yogas. And I'm very grateful that I did the teacher training because I learned a lot. So basically, you learn the asanas, right, which are basically the physical postures and the stretches. And then there's the breathing exercises, the pranayama, right? There's all these different styles of pranayama, like breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, breathing in through the mouth, out through the nose, just straight mouth breathing, straight nostril breathing. And then like doing it with like the focus on like the navel or like different types, right? And then mm-hmm. what's interesting is that in Kundalini, they talk about getting early at fourth, getting up early, 4.30 in the morning. There's the whole chanting. There's the whole meditation. There's the whole mm-hmm. physical yoga, but there's also the cold showers too. There's also that, which is interesting because Hickson, the whole cold thing you saw, you know, him getting into the freezing cold water in, yeah. in uh, Japan right. with uh, the whole choke thing. So you see that with him, but I experienced that through the whole Kundalini. And then there's also Wim Hof, which 
super famous for the breathing exercises, yeah. the cold immersions. He's doing amazing work training the world and all these people. There's this whole community. I think it's amazing. I love it. I'm a huge fan of what I'm seeing with that. I yeah. think that's amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. I think all that stuff is great. I had a whole path with that. I loved it. I learned a lot from it. The philosophy was cool. I thought some things I liked, some things I was like, not for me, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was great. I still teach some of my friends. They're like, hey, teach me yoga. So like, I still teach some of my friends and like, there's people that still ask me to teach it to them. And I do, and I do mm-hmm. it for fun. There's mm-hmm. still some things I do like, but I'm not as hardcore about it because like for me, the whole purpose was like this whole like spiritual, like quest thing that I, you know, I went on. Right. But then I realized like my ultimate thing for me, my ultimate meditation, it's sparring in jujitsu. That's my shit. Right. And then there's also like, what makes me be the best Denny for like what Denny's current goals are. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my goal is to be like the best fighter and the best teacher. How do I do that? Well, I need to put a lot of time into drilling. I need to put a lot of time into drilling because that's going to make me better. Technically I need to put a lot, a lot of time into situational sparring and sparring. I need to put a lot of time into strength and conditioning to make sure I stay healthy, strong, and I have good endurance. And then I also need to make sure I stay up to date with all like my my other like health things, like seeing my chiropractor, seeing my acupuncture, things like that. So one of the things I want to talk about is the academy to some extent. Equally as important is this relationship with Kyoterra. So suddenly Kyoterra comes on the on the scene with you. And I don't want to say on the scene with you, but I see this relationship forming. Can you talk about the beginnings of that? And now you guys are in a business partnership together in the sense that he's a, an instructor at your academy as well. What a tremendous honor to have one of the greatest be a peer of yours and a, a business partner and what seems to be like a friend as well. Can you talk about how that came about? Yeah, man, Kyo and I, we date back we met 2007 he refereed my match in the finals of the worlds that's right the brown belt worlds ibjjf worlds he ref the match and i won the match and like at that point that's the biggest moment of my life right (laughs) that's amazing so it's weird how there's that looking back now right. where I am, that's interesting, right? He was the referee for that fight. That's weird. <laughs> right. I didn't know yeah. him at the time. I, I I had no idea who he was or anything like that. It's Nothing. like one of those meant to be moments or something, right? It's funny. So I started training with Kyle in 2008. The first tournament I ever did training with him was American Nationals, was my last brown belt tournament. And I started training with him back then. And at the time... He was teaching at Caesars. I would, you know, either drive and meet him at Caesars or I would drive and meet him at another gym that he was teaching out of. And he would teach me, we would roll and the relationship built. And I immediately recognized how great Kyle was. First of all, he schooled the fuck out of me. He did. His jujitsu is amazing. Like it's incredible. His understanding of leverage is mind blowing. So, so I immediately started training with him. And I, the truth is, I view him as a teacher of mine. He's my teacher. He's definitely one of my biggest influences, without a doubt. The guy's a genius. He's like a real jujitsu Tesla. People don't understand how great. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> it's true though. It's true. The guy's a genius. What I've seen the guy do, it's like magic. Seen, felt, he's amazing. And man, one of the coolest things I got to watch is basically from 2008 to 2018, I'm in the room every single year. I got to watch him win the world. I have that experience of being in the room with him every single year and watching him do that. I know what that is. I watched that whole journey. That's one of the most remarkable things I've ever watched in my whole entire life. The education that I received 
from watching those 10 years of him accomplish that is amazing. Man, how special. It is. It's like, I'm so lucky. So we're partners. I've watched that whole entire process. I mean, I'm training with him from 2008 till now, you know, what, 13 years? It's a long time. And yeah, we clicked really well. You know, I realize I have one of the best teachers, one of the best training partners I could ask for. He's my friend. He knows me really well. He knows me at my best. He knows me at my worst. There's a long time now that we're training together. We know each other really well. And I listen to him too. My favorite thing about him is how how hard he is on me. Hmm. He's super hard on me. And I feel so lucky. He always tells me, he's like, you're wrong for this. You're wrong for that. You need to do this better. You need to do that better. Hmm. And I feel so lucky that I have him in my life to, he's a very big influence on in my life. It's not just jujitsu, it's other things. It sounds yeah, like a mentor. He is, he is. You know, he's, you know, man, the good thing about having mentors around your people you look up to, it's like one of the best things is for them to tell you when you're wrong there's all that and then basically at san francisco jiu-jitsu it's my no gi program it's his gi program that we offer and you know that's that's the point yeah you know like check this out people used to come to me and be like dude i wish you had a gi program right i'm like all right uh i don't do that i don't teach that that's not my specialty do i know it yeah i know it but it's not my thing my thing is no gi jiu-jitsu right yeah and i want to stick to that but i was like all right cool this is perfect kaya's got the best program i think he's got his jiu-jitsu and i'm learning it too i'm learning his program i'm learning his gi program it's been very beneficial for my jiu-jitsu it's only made me a better fighter and a better teacher so i'm actually like studying his gi program by the way his website kyotera.com his online training is amazing like he's got i think he's got over like 1200 videos and now he's doing documentaries I think he just released a documentary on Tereré, which is amazing. So yeah, if anybody's right. checking this out well, and like you, they put a bunch of free stuff on YouTube. So, right. I mean, it's, it's an amazing resource. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, it kind of ties in with the whole thing to some extent, Drysdale's new book, which I know you were reading too. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Love it. Opening uh, the Close Guard. Yeah. It's a really cool book. I would recommend it. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know and I'm still like learning it. I'm still not good to get like the information from the book on. Like I'm still reading it. Yeah. I don't want to say anything wrong. I feel like I need to read Drysdale's book like 10 times. Same. And I'm the slowest reader too. I wish there was an audio book or something, man. <laughs> totally. I'm sure they'll do it. It's so like amazingly in depth. Yeah. I think it's great. So one of the things I've noticed is that you've surrounded yourself with, uh, gosh, incredible people. That might even be an understatement. The team that I have, I've always had around me since my late teens, early 20s. I've seen I mean, these, these you know, names it, consistently it, come up. Like Jake. Jake Shields is uh, an absolute beast. UFC legend and uh, a grappling icon as well. You mentioned Gil, and for the people that don't know, it's Gilbert Melendez, who's also a UFC yes. legend as well. And no joke grappler himself. And he runs an academy in San Francisco called El Nino. And I know mm-hmm. you spent quite a bit of time there. Can you talk about your relationship with these two individuals and just the great people you've surrounded yourself with for all these years? I started training with Jake when I was Jake Shields when I was 17, 18. Jake invited me and, you know, Jake's Jake. 
having the experience of training with rolling with him is unreal. Even still to today, it's crazy training with Jake. Like the hardest training sessions I have, the, the hardest ass beating sessions are from Jake. <laughs> the worst ass weapons I've ever taken are from Jake. Like straight up. It's no doubt about that. That's the best thing ever for me. It's amazing. Very humbling. Spent a lot of time with him in preparation for my first worlds. Him and Gil rolled a lot and been friends ever since. And we, here we are today and we still have a very solid friendship that only got tighter. Actually, Jake and I have some really cool projects coming up. Here's another really cool thing. Watching actually Jake all those years, having the whole Shudo, Rumble on the Rock, Elite XC, right. Strike Force, UFC run watching that whole career then watching Gilbert dominate watching all that and being in the room and training with them all those years that was a huge part of my education too you know like learning mm -hmm. obviously like I said like I'm really lucky that I've been able to observe this because like all these years I've been watching all these guys do their thing and here I am I'm in the background I'm doing my thing but I'm also watching them doing their thing and I'm learning and yeah being in the room with all of them has been such a huge part I mean like my whole like MMA game comes from Jake and Gil you I'm, couldn't like, ask my, for better partners yeah and it's it's awesome because like I have like my good guard and they're like compliment of like I'm weak at their game like what I can improve on the most it's their game you know and how about this relationship with Jean-Jacques Machado, your experience with him? Jean-Jacques has been amazing. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's a huge inspiration to me. Man, I spent a lot of time at his academy. Haven't been able to go down for a minute because of how things are and like just, yeah. you know, all the chaos going on. But a lot of my jiu-jitsu fundamentally is like his and like a lot of principles that I approach come from him. So he's a huge part of my jiu-jitsu, like philosophically. And there's a lot of great things that I learned from him, how to like train my mind. Like uh, there's like, there's a certain, there's a secret. <laughs> there's a secret thing <laughs> okay. that he taught me. I'll keep that as, as a little thing, like inside. There's, a, there's like oh, a- Oh man, all the listeners can be dying to know. Now you guys know there's a- there's a secret John Jock Machado. We always knew he was a know, wizard you know, of some you know, sort. You know, so you know what? Some... I usually I usually talk about everything. I'm gonna keep that to I'm gonna keep that to me and to the team. Good, good. Leave a little mystery. That's always good. Let's put it this way. There's some very unique mental training after the sparring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's very unique. Wow. But you know, it's uh he's amazing. He's been a, a huge influence in my life. It's interesting because when I first started training, I started training two thousand one. At the time that I'm coming into jujitsu, he's the Korean ADCC champion. And later on, all those years to end up training with him and develop the relationship is great. Yeah, I mean I've had the, the truth is like I said, I'm super lucky. I've had all the best teachers and obviously Eddie Bravo. Being Eddie's first black belt and learning what I learned from my master, my teacher. You know, there's all this amazing jujitsu that I learned from Eddie too. Like all I mean, if you really watch me when I fight today, you're still watching me use Eddie's jujitsu and that's my jujitsu too. And I'm very grateful for what both of them taught me. They're both amazing and I'm super honored to be a part of the lineage and everything and everything that they taught me so much. I've said this and I'll continue to say it this way. I'm very lucky and that's just what it is. Like, I mean, if you look at who I've gotten to study with, who wouldn't want to study from the people that I'm studying from, oh, that's why, you know, that's why I am who I am. It's because I've studied yeah. with who I've studied and 
You've competed against the best in the world, the legends in all over the world. It's just remarkable when those of us on the outside looking in, look at your story. Yeah. And it's a different, it's a different time periods too. You know, like I'm like right now, here's the cool thing. One thing that I feel like at every point of my career, from the time I'm like 15 years old, I'm fighting on the highest level of my game. For example, from when I'm orange belt, I was fighting the best orange belts in the world, you know, and then blue, purple, you know, I never got to compete in because of, uh, Uh, It was a quick transition from purple to brown and things happened, but I competed a lot as a brown belt, a lot. The majority, a a lot of experience was gained as a brown belt, but the majority of my experience that I gained in fighting is as a black belt because the majority now, because now I'm a black belt for 11, because yeah, I got my black belt in September 29th, 2009. So I'm a black belt for 11 and a half years now, mm-hmm. almost, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the, the majority, I'm more of my time it's spent as a black belt than any other belt at this point. When people are like, oh, what was the, what was the hardest belt for you? My hardest belt, it's black belt. You know, like some people are like, oh, blue was the hardest for me. Purple was the hardest for me. No, 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 no. For me, black, it's the hardest. But you can't relate unless you're competing. If you just started doing jujitsu, you know, and you're just doing jujitsu for fun, then you're going to be like, blue belt's the hardest belt. White belt's the hardest belt. For me, black is the hardest, has been the hardest. Because like every level you go up to, man, it's a jump, dude. And it's huge. Because like I went into my black belt career from the beginning and in 2009, I took third as a black belt in the world. You know, I took third in the IBJJF Nogi Worlds. That was the second most prestigious tournament at the time behind ADCC. And then like I did good. And then I had a period where like I got injured and like it threw me off. But also too, I think it wasn't just the injuries. I needed to develop more skillfully as a fighter because I went through some losses that caused me to become a better fighter because I've had different periods as a black belt and it's not done. I'm hoping I have at least 10 more solid years, but there's going to be smart it's not going to be a rush there will be nothing that will be like unnecessary because like i want to like extend this as long as i can that's the whole goal part of that is being patient with the process and like i understand that Mm. and like i'm enjoying the ride too why is black belt the most difficult for you because like there's endless levels there's so many levels to black there's so many levels it's levels upon levels and then every day you realize you suck more and you're like fuck i need to get better i'm like it's not good enough sounds like there's this sudden almost super self-awareness now whereas before it sounds like you know you had momentum just go forward go forward go forward but now it sounds like i'm here and i'm seeing what's around me and it's overwhelming that's what it sounds like to me like there's this am i perceiving that correct or can you clarify i think the higher you go up the more you see there's more and the guys that don't see that they're not seeing it clearly there's more there's like dude jujitsu changed jujitsu changed a lot for the better i think for the better there's all these people that are hating Dude, I love how jiu-jitsu is going. I love that jiu-jitsu is on UFC Fight Pass. I love what Flow Grappling is doing. How can you not love that? How can you? I love what Fight to Win is doing. There's there's this show every weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Exactly. Exactly. Like, man, when I was a kid, this didn't exist. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's so beautiful to watch this. Look, what's going on with the UFC, there's more eyes on the UFC. And here's another thing that I know. I know for a fact. I heard from the most reliable resource that I could hear this from that the show that I was a part of on UFC Fight Pass had an incredible amount of eyes. I know the mm. number. The number I don't even believe myself. I'm not going to say it because I was told not to say it, but the number was unreal. So like 
that number, when I heard that number, I was like, oh my God, it's insane. And I was like, okay, wow, wow. There's a lot of eyes on jujitsu. A lot of eyes on jujitsu right now. There's more eyes on jujitsu right now than ever. I think it's beautiful. I'm all for it. How wouldn't I be for it? This is like more people now. Look, the bad thing is, is that because of like COVID, the con like academies are tanking and that sucks. But like there's pro shows that are still happening and it's going. We're lucky. It's still going. There's other sports. Is judo going right now? No, judo's not going. Jiu-jitsu is going. There's like events happening in Brazil. There's events happening in America. There's Europe. events that are happening. Yeah, Europe. Yeah. Polaris. Jiu-jitsu is going, baby. <laughs> yeah. And like all these people are like, no, 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 no. Jiu-jitsu is going. It ain't stopping. It's too strong. Jiu-jitsu's <laughs> gained too much momentum now. Watch. Again, there will be another wave of growth. I already see what's happening. I've heard certain numbers. I know it's going. It's undeniable to me. So one thing I want to touch on is teaching. Uh -huh. So you've been a teacher for quite some time now. You know, with teaching and academy ownership comes a lot of different things, right? One is leadership. Can you talk about what it's been like for you, this journey of teaching and leadership and how do you keep that sword sharp and how has that evolved for yourself? And what do you enjoy about the teaching aspect of it? You know, the adults, competition stuff, kids, etc teaching i love it it's one of my passions i feel that i'm lucky because i can do both i can teach and i can fight and i have both and my duty is to do both my duty is not just to teach my duty is not just to fight it's to do both i mean i love it my favorite thing is like getting to teach the technique and the philosophy that's my favorite thing i love teaching people how to be better versions of themselves like building themselves i like telling people hey look it's like a video game it's create a fighter mode right and uh i I love assisting in that process. I'm not trying to make people like me. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in making people a better version of themselves with jujitsu and mm -hmm. kettlebells and whatever I've helped that they're interested. If they're interested in learning, I'll share with them. If they're not interested, then I won't. I'm not pushing my stuff on anybody. I don't care. If you're interested, cool. I'll share it with you. If not, that's cool. It was fun to go on your academy website and your training website and see some of the free videos and watching you teach the kids and watching you teach the adults and how you approach these different things. I know one of the moves, you were speaking about orange belt earlier. You said uh, one of the techniques you were showing, you're like, I've been doing this since I was orange belt. I love that. I love the fact that like there's things that I learned when I was a kid and like maybe I like either someone taught me them better now or i helped make some adjustments that makes it more effective today i love that i love i love sharing that i love teaching i feel really lucky being able to teach every day on the mat it's a blessing man especially like now that you know i'm better and I, I can be me on the mat because there was a while that not that long ago that i was not able to be me and there have been periods of that throughout my life so i know that and i just feel lucky to teach Denny, it's been such a treat to have you on. Where can we get all the information about you and what you're up to? My Instagram at Denny Prokopos, DennyProkopos.com if you're interested in staying up to date. Actually, soon I'm dropping a DVD with BJJ Fanatics. I'm doing that's two right. instructionals, that's which right. I'm very excited about. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to drop the instructionals. Can you announce yeah, what those are? We're going to cover two instructionals. One's going to be uh, the closed guard. The other's going to be rubber guard. Awesome. And it's basically going to be my perspective on it. And it's me sharing my favorite jiu-jitsu. And I don't hold anything back. I'm showing up to now what I have. I'm super excited. My goal is to help make people's jiu-jitsu better. We'll add all the links to all that stuff. So everyone, I am Adolfo Fronda. Check us out at Forever White Belt. Uh, and all the places, all the socials, thumbs up and nice reviews and the whole thing. 
And again, Denny, it was a tremendous honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's a huge win for us. Thank you very much, Adolfo. My awesome. pleasure.